welcome aboard. Oh, yeah. New Hope Radio. <laughs> we are here. Oh, we are here to begin another week. Live broadcasting. You know why? We love the Word of God. And you know what's so great? You do too. Glad you love it. Glad I love it. And that's why we spend this time together here on New Hope Radio. Also, the Hope Club Podcast. And uh, we just like to share the Word of God. And if you like what you hear... Why not like it and share it with others so they can hear the good news too? Now, the last time we were together, we noted that Jesus told his disciples he had overcome the world. That's good news. You know what? We need an overcomer. And that overcomer, you know who that is? That was the Lord Jesus himself. And then to make it personal, the Apostle John, he shows up, and you know what he said? <laughs> We're overcomers too. I like that. How are we overcomers? You know how. By our faith. Well, Jesus now turns his conversation from the disciples to his father. And this shows us a couple of things. You know what it shows us? That it's good to talk to people, but it's also good to talk to God. And we should do both. So we're going to pick it up in John chapter 17 and verse 1. Love what it says. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. So notice before Jesus prayed, what did he do? He looked up. He looked up to heaven. Now, this tells me heaven is not another dimension. It's a geographical location. That's what it is. You know, the Bible talks about three heavens, the atmosphere, the abode of the birds, space, the abode of the angels, and the third heaven, oh yeah, that's the abode of God. So we are not living in a parallel universe, okay? Jesus doesn't step into another dimension. We're living in a spiritual universe. Remember that time when Daniel prayed to God, but he didn't hear back for like 21 days? Three weeks. Finally, an angel showed up. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. And the angel said, The prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Oh, then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, he came to me and he helped me. For I had been there with the king of Persia. So this angel, I guess more of a lesser rank angel, he couldn't break through. So Michael, the archangel, let's hear it for the archangels. Oh, yeah. Michael was it. He came through. He kicked out that demon. He kicked out that fallen angel that was in charge of that area. And this angel got through with Daniel's answer. So Jesus prayed, Father, 
signifying his intimate relationship with God as the Son of God. Here Jesus identifies himself as the second person of the Trinity. And he's going to pray about the coming cross. He said, The hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. See, for Jesus, the cross was the glory of life. And it was the way to the glory of eternity. His life was all about the cross. 33 years of preparation to get to the cross. It was the glory of his life. And it's the glory of his eternity. And when Jesus prayed, he spoke with confidence. You know why? Because he knows who he is. He knows where he's going. He's going back to where he, I like this part, came from. He's going back. See, we look forward to heaven. Jesus looks back to heaven because he was already there. He's not looking forward to a place he's never been. <laughs> he's looking forward to going home. Jesus is going home. So the, claw, the cross, it was the glory of Jesus because, you know, he was never more majestic than in his death. In his death, he said some things that, you know what? No one else would ever think of saying. Here he is, spiked to a Roman cross of crucifixion. And what does he say? Father, forgive them looking down at the soldiers, gambling for his garments, looking at the religious crowd, mocking them, harassing him. Oh, if you're God, come down. Father, forgive them. Oh, Jesus was in his majesty. He looked to his left, and there was a criminal mocking him. He looked to his right, and there was a criminal believing in him. And Jesus looked at that man and said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Oh, Jesus was never more majestic than in his death. The centurion, there he is, looking up at the cross. What did he say? Oh, surely, this is the Son of God. So Jesus was beautiful in his life. And somehow, he managed to be even more beautiful in his death. <laughs> wow. Verse 2, Jesus is praying and he said, Even as you gave him authority, speaking about himself, even as you gave me authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So Jesus is saying, I have authority over all people, and therefore I can give them eternal life. And he does. See, God the Father gave Jesus authority over all flesh. Now, he could have done anything he wanted to. You know that? He had authority. He could have turned Satan into bread. When the devil said, turn these stones into bread, he could have turned Satan into bread. He could have turned the Pharisees into bread when they condemned him. He could have turned the Roman soldiers into pasta. <laughs> but he didn't. You know why? Because he loved people to the end. That's why. He came to love. 
The Bible tells us in John 13, verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, oh, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, Jesus never stopped loving those who accepted him. Oh, he knew the disciples would flee. Oh, yeah, he told them. You guys are going to flee like sheep when the wolf comes. But it's not going to change my love for you. And, you know, that's good to know because there are times in our own lives where we've kind of failed the test of faith, don't we? We do. But it's the same principle. It never changes his love for us. It doesn't. Think about it. There's nothing you can do to stop Christ from loving you once he loves you. He's not like us. We're kind of conditional, you know. You love me, I love you, but if you don't love me, I don't love you. But with Jesus, it's different. You love me, I love you, but if you don't love me, I'm still going to love you. I'll still be there. So Jesus had authority given to him by the Father. You know what someone does with their authority? says a lot about that person. That's why it takes great humility to handle authority. Did you get that? The greater the authority, the greater the humility. Reminds me of the time that David was out riding in front of his men, and this little guy jumps out of the bushes, Shimei. That's his name, Shimei. And there's David with his soldiers. He's not king yet. He's in preparation for king. And Shimei, he was a follower and faithful to King Saul. He didn't like David. Oh, he jumps out there and he starts cursing David, mocking him, humiliating him. And David has a God, the, the captain of the God. Everybody should have a friend like this. He says, you want me to go and cut off his head? <laughs> I like that. Not that I like it, but I like it. He's a good friend. I'm going to go cut off his head. Who does he think he is mocking my king? King to be. And you know what David said? He said, no, don't do that. Maybe God told him to do this, to work humility in me. See, David understood. With great authority comes great humility. So David was willing to submit himself to something that would humble him in preparation for his kingship. And that's so important. You know, if you're the big boss on the job, have humility that matches. If you're in charge of something, have humility that matches. Because with authority comes humility. And now think of Jesus, right? He's got authority over every person that's alive. Everyone. And yet he still operates in love and in humility. He didn't use his authority to corrupt him. That happens sometimes. People have great authority and it corrupts them. And they misuse the authority. That's no good. You don't want to do that. You never want to misuse the authority that's been given to you. 
because authority has been given to you to lead people, not to drive them. So that's another story. Now, sometimes, like I said, if you use authority wrongly, that's going to get you into trouble. Oh, yeah. We probably all had that experience at maybe one time or another, you think? I'm going to share a little story of the misuse of authority with you. While our maneuvers, the battleship was on course, and the lookout noted a light in the dark. It was a foggy night. The captain recognized his ship was on a collision course with the other vessel. He said, signal the vessel. We're on a collision course. I advise you to change 20 degrees. The return signal came back. Advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain, he said, I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. The response was, I'm a seaman, second class. You better change course 20 degrees. <laughs> oh, by this time, the captain, he's furious. Who's a seaman? Second class telling me what to do. I'm a captain. He yelled back, send this message. I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. The reply came back, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> What's the point? Some things can't move. Some things don't move. Some things you won't change. Even all the authority you might have won't change something. Best to have humility. Humility. And you know what? People respect humility more than they respect authority. Yes, they respect authority in a way that authority has to be respected. But humility makes them want to respect authority. When you have just authority, they respect authority out of... Oh, uh, what's the word I want? Like, force. You know, they, they, they have to do it. But when you have authority with humility, then they want to do it. Okay? And maybe that's why everybody loved Jesus more than the Pharisees. Oh, they had authority, but Jesus had humility. And they flocked to him. They loved him. So Jesus prays. He says to the Father, even as you gave me authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given me, I can give eternal life. All you have given me. Who are those that God the Father has given to the Son? This might be a wake-up call for some of you. You know who God the Father gave to the Son? Those who believe. Those who believe. God has given to His Son not those He chooses, but those who believe. God's not picking and choosing. Well, I'll give you to my Son, but not you. Well, you can go to my son, but not you. No, God has already decreed all those that believe, I will give to my son. That's God's decree. 
As we said last time, remember 1 John 5, 4? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Well, this is the victory that's overcome the world. Our faith. That's the key. That's the basis. You got faith? Then God gives you to the Son. That's the qualification. That's it. Don't have faith? Guess what? He's not giving you to the Son. Because you're not part of the bride. Faith makes us part of the bride, the bride of Christ, and God the Father presents us to the Son. But no faith, no bride. So John said, who's the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There it is. You want to be an overcomer? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That's it. A couple of things happen. You're an overcomer, and God the Father presents you to his Son. Why? Because you believe. So Jesus said in his prayer, in verse 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Wow. When Jesus said this is eternal life, what does he mean by eternal life? He's not talking about the duration of life. He's talking about the quality of life. The quality. Because those that believe do have a better quality of life. That is, if they're not backslidden and carnal, then it's even worse. Forget it, man. You're in deep trouble. But if you abide in the Word, God gives you a quality of life that cannot be attained any other way. So it's more than long existence, but it's a life of acquaintance with God, and here it comes, peace with God. Now, Jesus said it, in the world we'll have trouble, but that's okay. We'll always have peace with God. I'd rather have peace with God than peace in the world, wouldn't you? As a matter of fact, if you really have peace with God, you might not have too much peace with the world. Because the cosmic system, well, that's Satan's system. And he's at odds with you. Yeah, he's at odds with all people that love God. He'll make your life miserable. He'll do his best. But again, you stick close to God. And God can overcome what Satan wants to do. I believe that. So, here it is. Only until one receives eternal life do they really begin to live. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Only until you receive eternal life, God's quality of life, do you really begin to live. A lot of people say they're living now, but you know what? When you really discover God's life, <laughs> then you say, ooh. You know, before I was saved, I thought I was living. After I got saved, I realized, you know what? I was dead. <laughs> yeah. I was dead. I thank the Lord he let me live so I could be saved. Oh, I'm, I am so indebted. I am so grateful that God let me live so I could be saved. So to have this life is to have the attributes of God developed inside of you. What are those attributes called? 
Well, some of them are called the fruit of the Spirit. The attributes of God that he wants to grow inside of us. And Paul outlined some of them in Galatians 5.22. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And he, these are the things God wants to grow inside of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Like, I'm reading this list. It's like, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Who wouldn't want these things in their life? Oh, there's more. Gentleness. Self-control. And then I think we got a little more humor. Paul adds a little humor. Against such things, there is no law. <laughs> I laugh when I read that because it's like Paul's saying, listen, it's not against the law to have self-control. Don't worry. You won't be arrested and go to jail if you have self-control. As a matter of fact, if you don't have self-control, you might be arrested and go to jail. It's not against the law to be gentle, to be faithful, to be good and kind and patience. It's not against the law. So do it. Enjoy it. Live in these things. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2 verse 1, he said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he said a little later on, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together. He did. With Christ. And he said, by grace, you have been saved. By grace. It's grace. The fact that bad people can be saved is the grace of God. And if bad people couldn't be saved, you know what? There's no grace. You want bad people to be saved. People you don't like. You want them to be saved. Why? Because that's the grace of God. And it's God's grace that saved us. You might think, well, I'm not as bad as them. Okay, but it's still grace. It's still the grace of God. And if you take away the grace of God from somebody that's really bad, then you've taken it away from yourself. So Jesus prays, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father. Know you signifies experience and intimacy, love and obedience. That's what it signifies. When you know someone, it signifies relationship. It signifies love. So when we know God, we have a loving relationship with him. And what does Jesus say? That we would know him as the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, it's not enough to know the sender. You also have to know the one that was sent. Or vice versa. Some people say, oh, I believe in God, but not Jesus. Guess what? You're out. You get to know the one who did the sending and the one who was sent. Then you're in. Okay? Now, there's an Old Testament prop, prophet named Habakkuk. Sometimes they call him Habakkuk. I don't know what it is. Habakkuk. And he said, the earth will be filled with the knowledge. This is, gonna, this is in the future. One day, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
What You know, what a great day that's going to be. Probably talking about the Millennial Kingdom. That's going to be awesome. They'll never have to watch the news again. There'll never be bad news. On the other hand, though, for today, Hosea, he spoke about our life today. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And yes, I know it was about the Jews, but you know what? Isn't that appropriate for today? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have to know God, and we have to know the signs of the times. We do. That's why, yeah, I'll tell you what, if you're looking for a church, make sure they teach the Word of God. You don't need motivational speeches every Sunday. You can go on TED Talks and watch those things. What you need to do is learn the Word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept. Jesus said, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. That's it. People talk about giving glory to God. How do you give glory to God? Do what he said. That's how. Jesus sees his mission as completed when as yet he hasn't even gone to the cross. That's how committed and determined he was to glorify the Father. Even Isaiah said about him, he'll set his face like a flint and he will not be ashamed. So Jesus knew who he was and he knew exactly where he was going. So he says, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. You know what he's saying? Bring me home. Bring me home, Father. I'm ready to come home. Oh, there are so many beautiful life lessons in the life of Christ. Can Christians say that? Bring me home. I'm ready to come home. So Jesus knew. You know what he knew? He knew who he was. He knew where he was from. He knew what he came to do. And you knew where he was going. And you know what? So should we. We should know that same thing. That very same thing. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you're from? Do you know where you're going? That'll give you all the confidence you need to live out the rest of this life on the earth. Thank you for coming, to, coming along today. Hey, listen. Join the Hope Club. Get a daily devotional every day. Here's how you do it. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click giving. Fill out the information. Three bucks a week. Hit submit. You're in. We'll send you an email devotional every morning. We'll see you next time for New Hope Radio.